0: Please take your Bibles and turn to Acts tonight. Acts chapter 2. All of you people here, of course, may remember night after night these past few Sunday nights I've been teaching on the book of Acts, and we have covered the first chapter of this book rather line by line and verse by verse. On this occasion of Memorial Sunday night, of course, I didn't know it would all fit like this, but I guess it's wonderful it does. I know of nothing greater that could come to our people in our nation, at the heads of our government, people in seats of authority everywhere, than a knowledge of God's Word and that which uh, occurred in Acts chapter 2, not only to know it but to accurately understand it. I think when it comes to the Holy Spirit field, there's more confusion and more baloney than you can shake a stick at, because the average person cannot disassociate the truth of God's Word with the experience which is many times manifested. The Word of God is always genuine, and when men and women operate that greatness of that word the experiences thereof may come and go but that word of god liveth and abideth forever and tonight of course we are right at the beginning of the second chapter but before we start in that second chapter let's again go back to verse 26 of the first chapter to get the continuity of the story which is being taught and they gave forth Verse 26, their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Matthias replaced Judas Iscariot who had gone out and who had hanged himself, remember? Now this Matthias was numbered with the eleven apostles. Eleven and one makes how many? Twelve. So now we have the twelve apostles. And I want you to watch the pronoun very carefully as they occur. And when the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, they, the first pronoun, they who, it must refer to the closest associated noun relating itself to the subject. And the closest associated noun relating to the subject is the noun apostles. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, they who the 12 apostles, the 11 plus Matthias making 12, they, the 12 apostles were all with one accord in one place. Now people, the day of Pentecost was fully come. The day of Pentecost was in the process of coming ever since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 verses well, the verse where, you know, the verses where they sinned and so on and so forth. Ever since the fall of man, let's put it this way and then you'll understand it. Ever since the fall of man, the day of Pentecost was in the process of coming. But it never fully came until this occurrence which we are going to read about tonight. It was in the process of coming and all through the Old Testament. At various times you can read different things which occurred. You can read at least seven of the nine manifestations of the Spirit in the Old Testament. For instance, prophecy. Is there prophecy in the Old Testament? Definitely. Word of Knowledge. The manifestation of the Word of Knowledge. Is it in manifestation at times in the Old Testament? Definitely. The Word of Wisdom. Definitely. Discerning the spirits. Definitely. The the manifestation of faith. Miracles and healing. Are they in the Old Testament? Sure, you can find them from time to time. But it never fully came. Because when it fully came, it came in something the like of which the world had never seen. Namely, that people could be born again. The new birth. And that when they were born again, they were filled with the power of God. Not just with seven manifestations, but that they could utilize nine manifestations. Because with the fullness of the coming of the day of Pentecost, there came into reality the fullness of the presence and the glory of Christ in you, the hope of glory, plus the manifestations in the senses world of speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge. Word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, and healing. That's why, people, this which occurred on the day of Pentecost turned the then known world upside down before the generation of those men began at the Word of God. And if the church won't look at it, I want to tell you something. It has the stamp of death already written in it. Because when the church fails to come to the Word of God, it, there is no reason for its existence in this civilization because Kiwanis and Lions and Rotary and, and uh, the Masonic Order and some of the rest of them can do the job better than the church. The church has only one reason for its existence, and that is to have a command, a knowledge of God's Word, and to make that Word living and real in the hearts of the hungry men and women who sit in their pews. <laughs> We had a Methodist in here. Somebody ought to say Amen. Yeah, see, got some Methodist. Well, bless your heart. Now, boy, there's hardly anybody that really gels this thing when it comes down to it. When it says the day of Pentecost was fully come, you understand what it means when it was fully come. Well, if it fully came, then can it come come again? If it fully came, then then when, when, when you got it, you got everything you could possibly ever get because you got it fully. Well, bless your heart. If you're full, you're full. Right? Does it have anything to do with what you feel like? No, because it didn't come by your feeling. It came by God's fullness. The first time the Lord Jesus Christ came, it says when, in the Scriptures that when the fullness of time came, God did what? His only begotten Son, born of a woman. When the fullness of time came, he sent the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to study tonight. The fullness came. The fullness came, he sent, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Therefore, the people who receive it, are they lacking in anything? No, because it fully came. Can you pray for something to come if it's already here? Oh, that's stupid. If it's already here, you don't have to pray for it, right? Well, on the day of Pentecost, it fully came. And they, the twelve, were all with one accord. One accord means unity of purpose, unity of spirit. They were at one place. The place they were, we studied this out the past few weeks from Acts chapter 1 and from the last chapter of the book of Acts, and it says pointedly, pointedly, that they were in the temple at an hour of prayer when the day of Pentecost fully came. They were in one accord, one accord. They were in an hour of prayer. The same as this group here in the auditorium tonight and the people listening by radio right now. The kids aren't all disturbing; and they ought to be to bed. They're not here in the headquarters. If they're at the headquarters, we teach the children. But we're in one accord. We're in one accord. We're doing the same thing here. This doesn't mean we're all of the same mental or spiritual stature, but we are in one accord. We're doing the same thing. Well, on the day of Pentecost, they, the twelve apostles, were in the temple in one accord. And suddenly, verse 2, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were what? Sitting. Sitting. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Before Jesus Christ descended up into heaven, in Acts chapter, in John chapter 20, just go back a page or two in your Bible. In John chapter 20, verse 21, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I what? Send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Could they receive it at that time? Why not? It was not available for Pentecost, had not yet what? Come. Had not yet come. What was he doing then? He was simply teaching them, instructing them. Before he ascended up, he taught his apostles and disciples what to look for, how to recognize, how to know this thing was coming to pass. Because class, unless you have teaching, you can't receive the things of God. You can stand outside of this door of this Bible Research Center and cry your eyeballs out. It won't help you one bit. Teaching will help you, teaching will help men and women. And so Jesus Christ taught his people, his apostles, he taught them before he ascended what to expect, what to look for, and what to do after it occurred. And one of the things he taught them was that on the day of Pentecost, when this thing had come to pass, he said he breathed on them, he breathed on them, and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Now this breathed on is what I'm after, because in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and suddenly verse 2, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The rushing mighty wind are the same words that are translated in John, heavy breathing. He breathed on them. He breathed on them, and John is the same word that's here translated in Acts 2, 2, The sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I think most people have had the idea of like a tornado blew in, rushing mighty wind, wherever these apostles were. No, 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 no. He breathed on them. He breathed on them. As of a heavy breathing is the translation. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a heavy breathing heaven has also confused people. Most people think heaven some millions of miles up. The Bible says that heaven is every place above earth. Any place and every place above earth is heaven. As I tell my people in the class, you got your head in it. Sometimes when you're out with the right girl, you may have your heart in it, too. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Every place above earth is heaven. And so as he breathed on them, he breathed on them, a sound from heaven was the breathing of the twelve apostles. I want to show you this a little later on. We'll, We'll do exactly here in the auditorium tonight what they did on the day of Pentecost. But not right yet, because we've got to cover another verse or two before we can really make this thing living and real to you. There came a sound from heaven as of a heavy breathing. And it, it, the heavy breathing, filled all the house. The house. It doesn't say upper room. It says what? The house. And from working the word of God in Acts chapter 1, we found out that the Bible says That the house was the temple. Jesus said, the house was the temple. The word of God in Isaiah says, the house was the temple. And it was an hour of prayer and they were in the temple. Therefore, the house, it filled all the house, the temple, where they were what? Sitting. They were not, as I put it in my classes, hanging from the chandeliers. They were not dancing in the Spirit. They weren't throwing songbooks at each other. They weren't hooping and a-hollering and a-jumping. No, no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what has queered the experience of Pentecost for many people who really would have moved into the greatness of the Holy Spirit field because all they ever heard about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues has been a bunch of balloons. They have heard about people who, they, they even call them holy rollers. Well, bless God, I never saw a holy roller that's holy or roller. There's nothing holy about rolling and nothing rolling about holy or something. Holy rollers. Who ever heard about that crazy junk? That's not what the Word says. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm concerned about the Word. I'm not responsible for what you do or anybody else does. I am responsible for what I do. You are responsible for what you do. And, ladies and gentlemen, when God ever gives anything, it's never out of order. Now man can take it and put it out of order, but why in the world do you want to blame God? Why should people want to blame God for what man did? That's right. That's why I have been, by the grace of God, able to lead people in the receiving of the Holy Spirit all over the world. Because I know the Word, and I make people track with the Word. And in the Word of God the Scripture says everything that is of God is decent and in order. It says in here that all of these people on the day of Pentecost, all twelve of them were in the temple and they were doing what? Sitting. They were in the position of prayer. In the position of prayer. They were quiet. They were reserved. They were just wonderful, God-fearing people. But they weren't standing up and shouting at each other. They weren't dancing in the Spirit. They weren't blowing off something. Man and gentleman, these people were decent and in order. And if you want anything from God, the greatness of God's Word, you and I have to be decent and in order. You bet your life. That's why I don't stand for any shenanigans in the field. And that's why I'm looking forward to this mid-American conference on speaking in tongues. And by the way, after the meeting, we're having an after-meeting in an adjoining room, and I'll be glad to answer any question in any field dealing with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I've made myself available to the newspapers, the radio, the television for that occasion. And I'll answer any question after the uh, meeting is over with, the the general meeting is over with, in that after meeting. Because I think it's time that somebody goes to the Word and gives them the answer from the Word of God and reads it to them again and says, Once more, ma'am, thus saith the Lord. And here in my Bible, as well as in yours, as well as in every Bible, it says that on this day of Pentecost, that this which occurred filled all the house, the temple, where they were doing what? Sitting. It was decent, and it was in order. Now, verse 3. And there appeared, there appeared unto them, them who? The twelve apostles, cloven tongues like as of fire. And it the cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now let's take that verse apart word by word. There appeared unto them the twelve apostles cloven tongues. It was a cloven tongue, split like, but it was tongues like as of fire. It doesn't say it was fire, it says what? like as of, that it wasn't fire, it was just like it. And this appeared unto them. It appeared. class. it says in verse 3, the third word is what? Appeared. It appeared on it. This is the way it looked to them, this is what they saw. It doesn't say it was the fire. It wasn't fire. Shoot, if you got fire in you, you'd burn up. You put wood in fire, it burns, doesn't it? Sure. If you've got fire in you, well, I don't know what we'd do with you, cremate you, and then we'd throw you up in the air and the wind blows us or something. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it, this cloven tongues like as a fire, it sat upon each of them, all twelve, it split and it sat on each of them, each one of the twelve. The word sat is only used in the Bible whenever something is completely completed. When it is absolutely finished, completely finished, then the Bible uses the word sat. God on six days finished all the creation and all the farming and all the making and it says, and God rested. The word rested is the word sat, and God sat on the seventh day. It was all finished. When Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven, it says, and he did what? Sat down at the right hand of God. It means that everything was completely finished. Your redemption and mine was completely paid for. That's why he sat down. Now on the day of Pentecost, the word sat is used also on this occurrence. There appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it sat, it sat, because when the day of Pentecost was what? Fully come. See it? Therefore, it sat, it sat upon each of them. Now, this is the phenomena, phenomenon. This is the phenomenon on the day of Pentecost. Now I want to explain something to you that is uniquely interesting and very important. If you will recognize this principle, now your Bible will fit from Genesis to Revelation and people's experiences you will understand. God being God Almighty could give any man any experience he wanted to as long as it didn't contradict the word, right? Whenever God goes, whenever class, whenever God goes beyond that which is guaranteed to everybody when they believe, it is always phenomena. Whenever it goes beyond, let me say it once more because, boy, I mean what I say and I'm trying to say what I mean. Whenever God goes beyond that which is guaranteed to every believer, it is in the category of phenomena. When King Belshazzar had a feast and they were getting all liquored up and everything else, all at once there appeared in that great banquet hall in Babylon a sign written on the wall. The sign read, Thou art weighed in the balances and what? Found wanting. Really, was that painted on the wall? Is it, does it say in the Bible? that every time a king has a banquet where they are serving intoxicants and people are getting lit up that he's going to write something on the wall? No. Therefore, this which occurred in in that great banquet hall was in the category of phenomenon. It's not guaranteed that every time you have a banquet like that, that God's going to write something on the wall, but if the Bible said every time you do that's going to be written on the wall, then it couldn't be in what category? Phenomenon. Understand? That's how simple it is. Now, can God give phenomena? Definitely. But can the phenomena which God gives contradict the reality of the word? That class, ladies and gentlemen, that which God has promised in his word, ma'am. That which God has promised in his word, he is not only able, but he's willing to perform. And when you believe, and when you believe, when I believe, God has to do what his word says. He cannot do less than his word when we believe. But he can do more, right? That when he does more than what the word guarantees to everybody, it is always phenomenon. The phenomenon on the day of Pentecost was that there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon what? Each one of the twelve. That was the phenomenon. This is why today, today, if people prayed, O Lord, pour down the fire on me. I want to receive the Holy Spirit, Lord, baptize me with the fire. You're praying entirely outside of the will of God. For it is not written in the word of God that when you receive the Holy Spirit, God's going to put cloven tongues of fire on you. But this was specifically to those on the day of Pentecost. Could God still do it? And if God still did it, it would be for you what? That's right. But it isn't guaranteed in the word. But it is guaranteed in the word that when you believe and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus believe God raised him from the dead that thou shalt be saved and be filled with all the fullness of us. That's what's written to everybody and when they believe they get it. And class, it's been the confusion, the confusion on the phenomena that has disturbed most people. And so people say, well, Did you feel the Lord? When you got filled with the Holy Spirit, did you feel the tickling in your throat? No, I didn't. If you did, it was what? Phenomenon. Somebody else says, well, boy, I just felt the Holy Ghost running through me. Well, if you did, it's wonderful with me. But it had to be in what category? Phenomenon. You see why all this teaching has confused people? Because they have taught their experiences rather than the revelation of God's Word. And that's why many good people have never received, as they say, the power of the Holy Spirit, because they're always looking for a feeling. Past feelings will come and go, but the Word of God liveth and abideth forever. And when you build your life upon the the accuracy of God's Word, you can again say, Thus saith the Lord, and you can bring in the manifestation what the Word says. Now, don't discount the phenomenon that may occur. But that is specifically to you. Specifically to you. Thank God for it, but don't teach phenomena. Teach the Word. Now, going back here to Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as the fire, instead of Why is verse three ahead of verse two? Well, I don't know. It sure is. In in practice, they're just the opposite. The thing that occurred on the day of Pentecost was that they were all sitting at one place, and all at once there was a cloven tongue. And Jesus Christ had instructed them that when they saw this thing coming down, then they should breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's what he taught them. There came a sound from heaven as of a heavy breathing, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now why don't you need phenomenon today? Because on the original outpouring, they'd never received before. They didn't know what to look for and what to do. So God, through Jesus Christ, had instructed them, today he sends men and women like myself who know God's word. We teach you the word of God, and people receive. They receive. They receive. Because it's the word you have to know in order to be receiving today. Now the sound from heaven, as of a heavy breathing, and it filled all the house where they were moving. The temple was acoustically wonderful, much better than our Bible research center. But I'm going to prove the accuracy of this verse to everybody here in the auditorium tonight and all of our people who are listening by radio who've got any ears to hear and who love God's word at all, or at least have an inkling of accuracy with which things are written. He breathed on them. Sound from heaven as of a heavy breathing. Open your mouth and breathe in. Ready? Here we go. Exhale. Again. Again. That's Acts 2. A sound from heaven as of a heavy breathing. Isn't that wonderful? When they saw these cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each, you know what the twelve did? They breathed in like this. And while they were breathing in, They believed God to be born again and filled with the fullness of God, and that's exactly what occurred to them. Remember what the Scripture says in the Old Testament, isn't it? It said something about, open thy mouth wide, and I'll fill it. And another place in the Gospel of John, if I remember correctly now, he told them to drink in the Spirit. Well, how can you drink without opening your mouth? How can you drink water without opening your mouth? That's what I'm trying to relate. Nor can you drink it. That's why I teach my people in the classes when they receive the very same thing. I just say, just sit there, open your mouth, and breathe in, and thank God for filling you with His spirit. Just thank God. Because all strain is stress. Whenever you have to strain to get something, it's all drained. It's all drained. And ma'am, to get anything from God, you never need to strain. All you need to do is know God's word, know how to believe and believe, and you just quietly sit there and receive the things God has made available. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a heavy breathing, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they knew that it had come to pass because of the cloven tongues, which were like fire, as fire, and as it sat upon each of them. They knew it was there. So all they did was reached up spiritually, and they breathed in, Thank God for his fullness. And at that moment, for the first time. In the history of civilizations, ladies and gentlemen, men were born again of God's Spirit. Because now for the first time it is available. You couldn't get it before it's available. It wasn't available till now. Jesus Christ came to make it available, but it was not available until the day of Pentecost was what? Fully come. And that's why, class, Pentecost is the miracle of all miracles. Pentecost is the greatest day in the world, and the one the church for the most part does the least with. We do more with Christmas. We blow up Christmas. Then the second step is we blow up Easter. But how little, how little is done on Pentecost when the greatness of all the climax of what God accomplished in Christ Jesus came to pass. And ladies and gentlemen, there's no denomination represented in here tonight, nor is there any denominational group of men and women listening to the broadcast whose denomination does not teach that the church started on the day of Pentecost. Well, class, if the church started on the day of Pentecost, let's find out what they did on the day of Pentecost and get the church back on the ball doing the same thing now as they did then. Otherwise, we can't be the church that the Bible they started on the day of Pentecost. Right? Sure, it's right. You all know that. Now, they were all born again. They had received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And verse 4 says, and they, the twelve apostles, were all filled. They were all filled with Numahagion, with the Holy Spirit, the gift from the giver. They were filled. When you're filled, you've got the ability. The gift is the God-given ability. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the God-given ability to you to do something. And on the day of Pentecost class, when they were born again filled with the Holy Spirit, what was the first thing that they did? And it says, they began to speak with what? Other tongues. They began to speak with other tongues. Mile, my, oh mile, my, oh my. Isn't that what the word says? Well that's what the word means. It means what it says and it says what it means. Never before, never before had anybody spoken in tongues, because it was not yet available. The day of Pentecost had not yet what? Fully come. But now on the day of Pentecost it fully came. Christ was born in them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Now they had the ability. Now they had the ability not only to prophesy, to operate word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the spirits, faith, miracles, and healing, but now they had the ability to do two other things. They could speak in tongues and they could interpret. For the day of Pentecost had what? Fully come. And when they were born again, when they received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter two, verse four, what was the external manifestation in the sense world that they had the spirit within? It says they spoke with what tongue. Can you see spirit? Nope, on the day of Pentecost, when they were born again, they could see the phenomenon, the cloven tongues, the phenomenon they could see, but they could not see what. Spirit. God is spirit. God is spirit. A spirit has no form or comeliness. You can't see spirit, therefore when a person's born again, can you see that spirit that goes in? No. Then how in the world do you know you're born again? Oh, I'm going to be water baptized. Well, bless God, you can be water baptized so you drown. That still is no proof because a heathen out here. An unbeliever could be water baptized, right? You have no proof. You say, I go to church every Sunday and sit on the front pew. Well, bless God, that's no proof. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Bible's right, and I didn't write it, if it's right, the Bible says that there is only one proof in the senses world that you have the Spirit of God in you, and that is that they spoke with tongues. Speaking with tongues is the external manifestation in the senses world of the internal reality and presence of the fullness of the Spirit. You can't see spirit, ma'am, but you can see speaking in tongues. Like, for instance, if I speak in tongues, listen to me, look at me. You can see it. That you can see, right? You could hear it, right? But you can't see what in me? The spirit. Then how do you know I got the spirit? Because I got the proof. <laughs> sure, I've got the evidence, Doc. Oh, bless your heart. You young fellas, tell me you kissed your girlfriend and you ain't even got a girlfriend. you know proof! Oh, yeah. Aren't we something? Boy, these people talk about the proof. They haven't got any. They say they go to church. They read their Bible. They say they pray. They say they're baptized in water. All of that, ladies and gentlemen, is wonderful. I have no disparaging things about But that isn't the word. The Word says that the proof in the senses world that you're born again, that you've got the Spirit, is that you can speak in a tongue at will. It's not possession. It is not possession. You accept it by the freedom of your will, and because it's a gift to you, you operate. If I gave you a gift, hmm, I haven't even got it. I haven't even got an extra button in my pocket tonight. Not even a dime. How can I get a bottle of pop after the service? Somebody going to, to loan me a dime. Uh, all right. Well, I haven't got anything in my crazy pocket. Here, I've got a hymnal up here. Suppose I gave this gift, this hymnal, as a gift to Dr. Velk. Once I have given it to him, whose is it? His. Who's responsible for it? You know what Dr. Velk could do with it? He could open it. He could open the thing and he could start tearing out page after page after page, couldn't he? Why? Because it's a gift to him and he has freedom of art. People, the Holy Spirit field is just as simple as that illustration of the hymnal. Once God gives you the gift, who's responsible for it? You are. Who? you got the gift. God gave it to you. Now you're responsible. Would it be possible to use that gift out of alignment and harmony? Yes, it is. The same as you can tear the leaves out of the hymnal. That's why when people roll on the floor, it's the people, not the Spirit. When they throw hymnals or what they call dance in the sp- yeah, and this other one, where they say they get struck under the Spirit, God slew them. my eye, he slew them. <laughs> if God ever slew anybody, that old boy just wouldn't get up anymore. That's right. They call it about being slain under the Spirit. Nothing like that as far as the true God is concerned. That's right. And people, you know that I am strict along this line. I don't budge on the word one iota. That's where I stand if nobody believes it. That's right. Because when God fills a man with his Spirit or a woman, he gives it to you as a gift. Now you can either use that gift wonderfully or you can use it disgracefully. But if you use the gift, while you're using the gift, is there anything wrong with the gift? No. But it's you. You, the people who would be using it wrongly, right? All right. Now watch it. I'll show it to you as simple as ABC. Down in Kentucky, a couple of years ago, we still have them. They are people that call them the snake charmers or something. I forgot the whole story now, I have it in my file, where the people had a religious meeting. And while they were having the meeting, while they had these religious meetings, they put these poisonous snakes around their neck and talked to them and play with them. And while they're doing this, they speak in tongues. They speak in tongues. Now is the speaking in tongues wrong? But this business of trying to talk about the snake business, that is of man. That is devilish. But look at it. The genuineness of speaking in tongues is still genuine. It's the people that are off, not God. This is what we need to understand. Let's say somebody says, well, he's dancing in the Spirit. While he's dancing in the Spirit, he's speaking in tongues. Is there anything wrong in speaking in tongues? No, but it's he. It's it's that old bird doing that. wrong with speaking in tongues because speaking in tongues is the manifestation of the gift but dancing in the spirit is the manifestation of the man or woman Sure, if you want to dance I don't want to dance with the spirit I want what old Doc Bauer in, in, what old Doc Bauer in our philosophy class at, the, at Mission House used to say he said, he was a German from Germany greatest philosopher in the whole world as far as I'm concerned and I'm not the only person in it Old Doc Bauer, he used to say that if he wanted a girl to go dancing with, he said, don't give me one of those little skinny ones. He said, I've gone, that I can feel in my hands as I vault, you know. (laughs) Well, for you ladies putting on pounds, that's good. For you skinny ones, I don't know what you're going to say about that. You'll be mad at me the rest of your life, I suppose, huh? Uh, Bless your heart. No, ma'am. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. After you take the class, you won't have a question left. You're going to take it this year? Good. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them what? All right, now let's take that a little further. They began to speak. Who began to speak? They did. The Twelve did. Did the Spirit speak? No. They did the speaking, and people, you've got to drive that home, because they're teaching that it's the Spirit in you that takes over, and it does the speaking. No, no, no! Whenever anything takes over, it's the wrong step, because God never takes over. God and the things of God are received by believing. You accept it. If something takes over, you're possessed. And ladies and gentlemen, Satan possesses, but not the true God. You bet your life. Now, they began to speak with other tongues. They did the speaking. Not the Spirit. They did it by the power of God that was in them as the Spirit gave them utterance. They did the speaking as the Spirit gave them utterance. They did the speaking. Now watch me. I'll do the speaking. Why can I do that? Because I have the gift, right? I have the gift. The gift is the God-given ability. The speaking is my operation of the gift which God has given me, malakashino kona. I do the speaking in tongues, but what I speak is whose business? God. But that I speak is whose business? Mine. That's why, ma'am, born again of God's Spirit, you can sit there a lifetime and never speak in tongues because you don't know your business. You don't know your job. That's right. This is why there are good men and women born again of God's Spirit who have never spoken in tongues because they do not know how. They do not know their job. And so they go to God in prayer and say, oh God, fill me the Holy Spirit that I can speak in tongues. They're already full. But the church has neglected to teach them the accuracy of God's Word and therefore they're not able to manifest anything. It's pitiful, ladies and gentlemen. It is heartrending. It should bring to Christian men and women tears to their eyes. That we have allowed Satan to so defeat us and to so beat us that we are not even close to doing what the word says. And we call ourselves Christians. Something wrong someplace, it's either with men or with God. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't think it's God. I think it's man. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They did the speaking. They did the speaking. But what they spoke was as the Spirit. Gave it to them. Did the Spirit give it to their minds? No. But the Spirit gave it to their spirit. Which is Christ's spirit in them. They never had this before. Now they've got it. And God's Spirit taught this Spirit, which was his spirit in them, and they, by their freedom of will, they move their lips, their throat, their tongue. They put the sounds to it. They push it out. That's how they spoke in tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. What you speak in tongues is whose business? God's. As the Spirit gives the utterance. It's your business. But that you speak, I mean God's business. But that you speak is whose business? Yours. It's your business to speak. But what you speak is God's business. That's why that verse says very plainly, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and began to speak. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them what? Utterance. And class. That's all there is to the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift that God has ever given. Nothing has ever been done that equals this which is recorded in four verses of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The coming of the new birth, the fullness of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the miracle of all miracles, how a man can be dead in trespasses and sins without God and without hope in this world. And in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than that, when he confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus believed God raised him from the dead, at that moment, he gets born again, and Christ comes, and he gets a new spirit. Then he's body, soul, and what? Spirit. And that spirit in him is eternal life. It is eternal life. And once he has that spirit, he now has a God-given ability to manifest. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody born again of God's spirit, if they only knew it, can speak in tongues. Boy, it's something. Some time ago, I had a Baptist. Bless his soul. Wonderful man. Loved God. Loved the Word. Violently opposed to speaking in tongues. Well, what are you going to do with it? Only one thing I know. You read them the Word. When they want to believe the Word, you can do something for them. If they don't want to believe the Word, then you can't help them. Well, he wanted to believe the Word, so I read it to him. You know something? I never led him into receiving the Holy Spirit. You know, he was already born again of God's feet. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. He believed God raised him from the dead. He was saved. You know what I told him? All I taught him is how to manifest. I taught him how to release the Spirit of God in him, how to speak in tongues. I taught him how to do it. He didn't get anything more from the outside in. He just turned that which was on the inside out loose. And he spoke in tongues. He spoke in tongues. It's already in there. You people in here tonight who have never spoken in tongues, the people listening by radio tonight, if you've never spoken in tongues, if they are born again of God's Spirit, have they got the ability? Amen. The only way you're ever going to speak in tongues, you do it. You move your lips, throat, and tongue, and you speak in any other language or languages than those you know. For the language you know is not speaking in tongues, it's speaking in a known language. Four verses of scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, just four, that's all. And those four verses of Scripture tell us everything there is about the greatest outpouring that the world has ever seen. This almost flabbergasts me, class. I don't know how to state it anymore. I hope God tells you how, because four verses, that's all. And I've written a book some 385 pages on the Holy Spirit field. He puts the whole thing in four verses, isn't that some? To be able to put this great experience, this miracle of all miracles, and, ladies and gentlemen, it was this that turned the world upside down in that day. And it's this that will again have to turn the world upside down if we want men and women to walk with the power of God. Only this, that they've got to be born again and they've got to manifest the new birth. They have to manifest it for us, and that, I think, is tremendous. Once more, let's read these four verses, and we're going to close with them tonight. And next Sunday night, Pentecost Sunday night, next Sunday night, after our Mid-American Conference on Saturday and Sunday morning in Columbus, back here next Sunday night, I'm going to start with verse 5, and we're going to see the tremendous change that occurred as these men walked with the power of God that day. Verse 1 of chapter 2 tonight, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, the twelve apostles, were all with one accord in one place, the temple. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a heavy breathing. And it the sound filled all the house, the temple, where they were decent and in order because they were sitting. Verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of wrath, fire. And it The cloven tongues sat upon each of them. Verse 4, And they, the twelve apostles, were all filled, all of them, nobody got missed, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them up. Isn't that wonderful, class? Just tremendous. Of how God works in a marvelous way. To manifest himself. Remember that hymn, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. It's like that. God moved. And ladies and gentlemen, when God moved and God made a gift available, it's available today. You don't have to pray God and say, Lord, pour out thy spirit, for he's already poured it out. You don't have to ask God to Send salvation. He has sent it. All we need to do is to be taught how to receive it, and then, ladies and gentlemen, start walking on it. That's why this is a tremendous day and a tremendous hour, class, because there are so few people who accurately know God's Word that they're able to fit it and put it together and therefore they can't walk on it. You know God's Word. You walk on it. Share it with your neighbors. Share it with your friends. Talk about it. It's like Rick Crone said up here last Sunday night, he said, we've got to hold this up. We've got to hold it out. We've got to hold it forth. We can't hide it under a bushel because this is what God has wrought. And this belongs to us because we belong to him. Wonderful. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I thank thee tonight that in the name of Jesus Christ this word of God is still living and real to us. I thank Thee for the men and women, the children, the young people who come here to the headquarters to study the Word. And O God, how grateful I am for Thy goodness unto each and every one of us. Therefore let this Word of God live in the hearts and lives of our people here tonight and all those who are listening by radio, through Christ Jesus our Lord, Amen.